you're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. It may look like an ordinary podcast, but this one's bigger on the inside, and it can travel anywhere in time and space. Pack your sonic screwdrivers and your jelly babies. Grab your hats, scarves, and tighten your bow ties. You're the companion now. So get ready to run with your hosts, Jason Hunt and Paul Gann. This is Talking Time Lord. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another fantastic episode of Talking Time Lords. This is episode number 41. Hello, sweetie, the Alex Kingston panel. I am, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and I'm flying solo this episode. Uh, Paul is uh, still hanging out. Don't worry. Uh, I haven't gotten rid of him. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I'm just here to introduce uh, some panel audio that I acquired while at Phoenix Comic-Con on the uh, weekend of June 2nd through 5th. That's a Thursday through Sunday is when the convention was. Phoenix Comic-Con was a blast this year. Uh, I've, this has been my fourth year in a row going, and this is probably the most fun I've had at Phoenix Comic-Con yet. Um... The panel audio that you will be hearing shortly is from the Alex Kingston panel. Uh, I missed getting to see Billy Piper's panel and the panel with Dan Starkey and Neve McIntosh, or Nev McIntosh, or I don't, I don't know how to pronounce her name. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lady Bastra. Don't, don't kill me. Um, anyways, uh, but I was able to get to Alex Kingston's panel uh, that Sunday at noon, which was uh, a lot of fun. I had a, a blast, uh, and you'll hear that here shortly, but I just want to give you a little bit of of an update on what happened at Phoenix Comic-Con uh, this year. It was a ton of fun. Um, I did dress up in costume on Sunday uh, in my fourth Doctor costume. I actually found an awesome, awesome, awesome scarf to upgrade uh, my costume with. Uh, while I was there, I think I found that Friday of the convention, I was going through some of the, the booths on the exhibition floor and, uh, there was this costume booth and I just poked my head in, see what was there. And there on the rack was the officially licensed deluxe version of the fourth doctor's scarf, which is, you know, a much more of a, of a knitted look to it than the, the standard um, officially licensed scarf, and it's five feet longer. So instead of 12 feet, it was 17, and it was like twice as wide, and it was awesome. And it was on sale. Um, <laughs> I still paid a pretty penny for it, because uh, that's what happens when you're at a convention, but I didn't pay as pretty a penny as I would have normally. So I was very happy about that. And uh, you'll probably see some of my my pictures in costume uh Make our way, make its way to our social media, and perhaps even our website. We're trying to figure out how to do a photo gallery, so that may end up on the website, and we'll let you know if that does. But um, also on Sunday, while I was in costume, I got to have a photo op with all four 
of the Doctor Who companions that were there at Phoenix Comic Con. Uh, Alex Kingston, Billy Piper, of course, River Song, and Rose Tyler. And then, of course, Strax and Lady Vastra, uh, Dan Starkey, and Neve Nev McIntosh? Miss McIntosh? Hi. Uh, anyways, and that was great. Uh, I got that photo while in costume with all four of them, uh, and it was amazing. It's one of the best photo op experiences I've ever had at a convention, and I've had a couple, and I had a picture taken with uh, Ian McDermott and Mark Hamill at Star Wars Celebration last year, so that was cool, too. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, I walked up in costume, and the first thing any of them do is Alice Kingston goes, wow, that's a freaking long scarf, and grabs the end of it. And so... If you see on our Facebook page, uh, I did share that picture. Alex Kingston has one end of my scarf, Nave has the other end, and then uh, Billy Piper and Dan Stark here in the background uh, having fun, too. Um, it was a great photo, and I actually had to have it taken twice, because the first time, Alex Kingston was pulling it, you know, to the right of frame, uh, to show how long it was, I guess, uh, and she pulled it so far out of frame that... In order to get everybody, the camera had adjusted and caught like the uh, the platform that Billy Piper and Dan Starkey were standing on, and they didn't want that. So I had to have a second picture taken. So I have two photos uh, with the group, and for the price of one, and I was super super happy with that. Um, Phoenix Comic Con was huge this year. 85,000 people, I believe, is the number that they're saying attended this year, which is uh, the biggest Phoenix Comic Con yet. Um, <laughs> and we'll see how much bigger it is allowed to get because already the Phoenix Convention Center is the largest uh, place in the state of Arizona to have this sort of event. And while it was busy and there was a lot of people. It didn't seem overly crowded, but it was definitely more noticeably crowded than it had been in the past. So we'll see how let, big they let it get. Um, last year, I believe they had 75,000 people and the year before was 77,000. So you can get an idea of how much it's grown. I think last year they capped it at 75,000. So this year they raised the limit um, used more space and uh, in the convention center, and we'll see how much more they have uh, to expand going forward. Um, but it was a ton of fun. Keeps getting bigger every year. Uh, I was actually on a panel, a couple of panels. Um, they were Star Wars panels, and if you're interested to see uh, one of those, you can check out my other podcast, the Wampa's Lair podcast, uh, where our panel about The Force Awakens and what's coming up next in Star Wars is posted. Um, but if you don't feel like doing that, don't worry about it. Coming up on this episode right now is the panel audio from the Alex Kingston panel. Uh, the audio is pretty good as far as panel audio goes. Uh, it's not the best. I was in a huge room with a big audience. Uh for this panel, and uh, so, you know, you're going to get some ambient crowd noise and some of the uh, slight echo from the, the speakers and everything uh, that are around the room, but uh, it should be good enough for you guys to listen to, and I hope you guys enjoy it, and I'll be back at the end of the audio to wrap up this episode, so enjoy! Kingston. 
just on, around the trailers and stuff, but we've never been in an episode together or had scenes together. We share the same birthday, but in a weird sort of way, we have kind of history, because I knew, we knew each other socially, um, because we had uh, shared friends. Um, and so I've, I've known him for a, a long time, uh, but we've actually never worked together, so it'd be really fun to. And yes, wouldn't it be fun to be on Arrow together as well? Yeah. Thank you. Did that answer your question? Yeah. Great. We're going to go to your left. So. Oh, to my left. Okay. Hello. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, sweetie. Hello, sweetie. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
sometimes I have taken on roles that uh, I didn't feel massively comfortable with and I actually don't think I did a very good job. Um, but uh, so yeah, I, I sort of try to stay true to what I really think I can do. So the transitions for the characters that I've played, that you've seen, have been easy and a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, I'm very and thank you. <laughs> First off, I loved your episode of Blue Bloods that you were on. I love the chemistry you had with Tom and hope you're back for another episode next season. Well, it was left kind of. Well, you know what they got up to, don't you, when you talk about home after the restaurant. <laughs> but my question is, kiss, marry, kill. Tom? Paul Blackthorne or Peter Capaldi? Oh! Oh! Kiss, marry, kill! Yes. Oh, of the three big actors you've worked with in the past. Tom, Peter Capaldi, and Paul. Paul! Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> Instead of kill. Can it be, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not kill. Just, just ignore. Yeah. <laughs> Kiss, marry, ignore. <laughs> right, well, I can, then I can answer that one. I think I would. I think I would. So we kind of, we go back, we have history there. And in fact, I think I kissed him on ER. And he also is doing an amazing uh, uh, charitable um, thing when he's not working on Arrow. He is, he's out, I think he's still out in Vietnam right now. Uh, for Save the Rhinos. And, um, and I uh, did a little um, video blog with him. And he's, he really uh, is so dedicated and so hardworking, and I think it's such an important cause. So I would kiss Paul Blackthorne. <laughs> so it means that, sorry Tom, I know it probably means I'll never do another episode of Blue Bloods, but I would ignore Tom Selleck. <laughs> Alright, after tea, I think we're on our left again. Mm -hmm. Hi, Ms. Kinston. Um, Hello. Sweetie. <laughs> um, first a Controversy because uh, apparently, and you know, this is a show that I thought was watched by yeah, maybe eight, nine year olds. But no, obviously not. Because a lot of the men out there were very angry that there was a female Transformer bot. I mean, excuse me. Get over it. 
that the, the, the man who um, drew my character, Quicksilver, um, has now become part of my family because I've married his cousin. <laughs> I didn't even realise, and he came to he came to our wedding and introduced himself to me and said, "I draw Quicksilver." So uh, that was very strange. Um, but uh, it's yeah, I love I love her. She she looks cool, and she's got kind of she doesn't have curly hair. She's got kind of like geometric cut, which is what I always wanted as a kid. So <laughs> I'm very happy. Thank you. She's not a companion. She's a wife. She's my favorite character. There you go. Thank you. Do you hear that, Matt Smith and David Tennant? I'm her favorite character. Well, if River met Jack, it would have to be called Dr. Blue for a start. <laughs> and I think we need to leave it there. <laughs> they would all probably say the same thing. Obviously each actor that plays the Doctor brings a different personality to the Doctor and they are, you know, because they're all unique in themselves. Um, David I only worked with on two episodes. Uh, he's fabulous, he's absolutely phenomenal, he's always word perfect, really hard worker. Uh, Peter, so far, I've only worked on one episode, but that was a massive um, episode to shoot because it was a Christmas special. Uh, Peter was, is phenomenal as well. I mean, the truth is, in terms of just comfort and getting to know someone, I would say it's Matt, just because we've worked together much more than I have with any of the other actors. Uh, and I call the time when I worked with Matt and Arthur and Karen, I call those Doctor Who, the rock and roll years. <laughs> because, yeah, I mean, Matt was like Mick Jagger. And I'd say Arthur was Bill, what's his surname? <laughs> Bill, Bill, is it Bill White? No, who's the one? Who's the one? Captain Jack Sparrow. Keith Richards. <laughs> Arthur was Keith Richards. <laughs> and uh, yeah, well, actually, maybe Karen was Keith Richards actually. <laughs> but they were they were pretty hardcore in terms of hard work and hard party. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. So, yes. All of them, basically. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. Hey. English breakfast. Hello. Hello, sweetie. Hello, sweetie. I just want to say you are awesome. <laughs> and, uh, I know. <laughs> Could you give a story behind the scenes with you and Matt of uh, something fun that happened? Uh, I think probably, I mean, 
you may have you may have heard this before because it tends to be the one that I use. Uh, one of the one of the um, the interesting things about uh, filming Doctor Who, say versus ER, is that um, obviously ER had a lot more money per episode, but with that they had you had a lot more time in which to film. And so there was a lot of opportunity for pranks and things like that to happen during filming. And with Doctor Who, uh, there was always that really, um, uh, it, it's serious, there's sort of the clock ticking behind you all the time. So unless something naturally went wrong, uh, you didn't ever dare pull a prank or a joke or anything like that just because you were so conscious of wasting time and time with the BBC is money. So, um, so we were always pretty good, uh, and, and also time was always spent on making sure everything was working technically, you know, whether it was the Weeping Angels or the Daleks or whoever it was, they, they kind of took um, precedence over everything else. Uh, but the one, the one, I suppose, event that happened that I won't forget was my uh, very first introduction to Matt uh, when River is um, flying through the universe um, and uh, the Doctor um, is in the TARDIS and he opens the TARDIS door and River flies in. And um, we did that and it was fabulous because I was on a, on a, um, a wire and I was literally being thrown, <laughs> flown through the studio. It was great. <laughs> and uh, and then, um, then they, they cut, uh, so they edit it, and then you have me uh, sort of standing on the ground pretending that I've just flown in. So I, he opened the door and I had to just sort of throw myself in through the doors as if I was still flying, even though I wasn't on the wire anymore. And so I did that, and um, I need Matt in the bollocks. <laughs> and landed on top of him, and I just started laughing, and I thought he was laughing, but actually he wasn't. I think it was more going towards crying. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's, I'll tell you that story. <laughs> oh, I'm not. Hi, so my question is, what was your funniest and favorite moment while filming Doctor Who? Well, I think I just told you the funniest. <laughs> um, my favorite moment filming Doctor Who, I don't, you know, I don't really have a favorite moment because, um, Stephen Moffat doesn't let any other writers write for my character. Uh, now, now, we know that he's leaving, this is his final season, so whether he'll let that go and let the other writers write for River, which means I would then continue on the show now and again, we'll, you know, that, we have to wait and see. But um, yeah, Stephen was very protective of the character. Uh, which was great for me, because it meant that I was always in a Stephen Moffat episode, and his episodes were always so brilliant. Uh, so in a way, I can't say that one of them is my favorite, or that I have a favorite scene, because it would then kind of deny the others, and I think they were all equally good and brilliant. I mean, we were, we, we had some incredible locations. I, uh, which one was it? It was the Pandorica Opens. Uh, we were filming um, at Stonehenge, which is this ancient, they, they actually still don't really know what it was used for, burial site or whatever, these huge boulders um, that are really ancient. And um, it's all cordoned off. The public aren't allowed to go near these stones, but we were, and we were filming, we were doing a night shoot. So we started filming, I guess we started about six in the evening, and then we went through till about eight in the morning. And it was absolutely freezing. In fact, it was snowing slightly. Um, but we were able to, to work, work in amongst these ancient stones. And one of the docents who, um, the docents are the people who take care of this monument, 
um, I, I had some downtime, and they took me to one of these stones, uh, and they showed me some ancient graffiti that a Greek warrior had etched onto one of the stones. And you can only see it if you're really up close. So of course the public don't see it, they don't even know it's there. But it was the graffiti of this Greek warrior's dagger. Uh, and it, it was such an honor for me to be shown this. And then they took me to another piece of graffiti which had been written by Samuel Pepys, who was this English diarist. And he literally had graffitied, he had scratched his name into one of these stones. So, <laughs> naughty, naughty Samuel Pepys graffitied <laughs> Stonehenge, my God. But it, it was sort of, that was very special to me. Uh, so, you know, we, we, get, we get those opportunities that the, the public don't, so we are very lucky in that respect. Thank you. Thank you. Hi. Hello. Well, we all know there are some pretty terrifying monsters, enemies in Doctor Who, and we all have that one that for us is blood-chilling and terrifying. I was wondering if you personally have one of those where if you did come across that particular monster enemy, which one would be the scariest for you personally? There is one. Oh, I've forgotten. Oh, yeah. uh, I think it... No, I've forgotten. <laughs> 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 I have to say, just going on from that question, I think Stephen Moffat is kind of brilliant because the, 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 um, the aliens or the monsters that he creates, are they all in some way deal with our human psychosis. Um, and it's so smart. So it's not, I mean, of course, you know, you have the Daleks and things like that, but what Stephen has done with the, with the monsters that he has created and introduced, it's all about the brain and the mind. And I remember as a child going, walking through graveyards and looking at the stone gargoyles and figures and things and literally thinking, did they just move? Did they turn? Did they look at me? And sort of playing with that fantasy of, what if they come to life when the cemetery gates are closed at night? And so, you know, and I think that's probably a universal uh, fantasy that goes through a lot of children's minds. And so he, he's tapped into that and he's taken it and, and done something incredible with it. And also, I mean, my goodness, the silence, they could be here. They could be around us. It's just, we forget. Uh, it's such a brilliantly, it's a genius idea. So, um, yeah, he's very clever, very clever like that. Next question. <laughs> Hi, um, I just wanted to say, uh, which doctor was the most annoying to work with? <laughs> The most annoying to work with, Matt Smith! <laughs> <laughs> so annoying. Oh my god, was he annoying. Especially when he came to work with a hangover. <laughs> Hello. Rose. 
upstairs or downstairs where she's right next door to me. And actually, we get on pretty well, thank you very much. <laughs> I shared a couple of drinks in the bar last night. I got a little bit trashed. You know, I think one of the uh, one of the reasons why Doctor Who is so enduring—it's the longest sci-fi show in the world—is um, yeah, no, that is really awesome. Um, is that ultimately it's about love? It's the Doctor's love for the human race. He doesn't quite understand why, but he feels that this planet is a planet that he is attached to emotionally and wants to try and save. And it's also about his, his, his feelings of love for, for all sorts of people, for his companions, you know, past, present, future, that he's trying to deal with and come, sort of grow to understand what that really means, what love means, because he's, he's sort of like a child in terms of his incarnations. You know, he's, he's, I think at the moment, it's almost like he's in the teenage years. Um, but, uh, and, and it's, it's love and loss, ultimately, always. And I think that's why the, the episodes can be so powerful. Um, Matt, and even Stephen, have said, technically, River didn't marry, um, the doctor, because she married a Tesselector. Yeah, you've got to go back and watch that episode again now, don't you? <laughs> um, but there is great love, whether he did or not, technically, there is a sort of a great kind of, well, it's not even unrequited, I don't think. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, the TARDIS has got lots of rooms that you've never seen. <laughs> uh, but, there is, so there, but there is definitely love and connection between River and, and, and the Doctor. And of course, yes, Rose and the Doctor. I mean, he absolutely, he loved her, but didn't know how to ex really express it all. Uh, and she loved him. I mean, it's, it's great. I mean, that's why the River and Rose sort of, more than any of the other um, uh, characters, female characters that he's encountered, why they are actually the two who are most connected because of that, I think. But, um, yeah, but he's cool. She likes the margarita. <laughs> Hello. What do you hope to happen to River Song in the future, if you're Did you say, what do you, what's the second part of the question? What do I hope pals to happen in the future? Unless you know, what do you hope for River Song to happen in the future? Well, I hope she doesn't die in the future. <laughs> <laughs> to be perfectly honest, but she already has, so... Um, uh, so really, I can only, we, we can only say, what do you hope happens to River in the past? <laughs> it's very wibbly wobbly timey wimey, isn't it? <laughs> um, I hope that I hope that she. I mean, she's a time travelling archaeologist. I think it would be great to see her sort of what see what she does when she's not with the Doctor, like what she does with Captain Jack. <laughs> She comes back, she comes back and has adventures with him, but then she goes off again. And so it would be quite fun, I think, to see what she gets up to by herself. Because she doesn't always need to have a man around the place. And in the Christmas special, she talked about her wives. So, <laughs> Doctor Who. <laughs> time we ever see River Song, we're right there with the Doctor, we have no idea who she is, but you know as the character that you have a history with this Doctor. I want to know if as an actor, if you had any idea your history with the Doctor when you first met him. Uh, when I first went in, no, I didn't. But, um, 
when I when I arrived in Cardiff, uh, my diary uh, was absolutely full of uh, drawings, little notes. Um, I mean, it was a, a real work of art that the props department had, had created, and um, and so uh, it gave me sort of just a sense of the potential of the ca this character and what they had done together, and all of the stories that we have ticked off, like Pandora, Derillion, they were all in that diary on the first day of work for me. Uh, and there are some others that haven't, we haven't um, uh, encountered yet, so Jim who knows? Jim the Fish. So it gave me a sense of what I could play with or run with in terms of sort of uh, making the character three-dimensional. Uh, but other than that, no, I was given no indication by Steve or anybody as to how to play her or, or what she'd done. Thank you. Thanks. Hi. Hello. First of all, my friend wanted me to tell you that she loves you and she wishes she could, she could be here to see you. Well, will you say hello back? I will say hello. Right. Okay, and um, if Riversong had her own show, who would you want to be featured on it as her companion? <laughs> um, I quite like Captain Jack Sparrow. The OG Captain. I think that'd be quite fun, actually. Um, you could have the two Captain Jacks, couldn't you? And River in the middle. That'd be kind of fun. <laughs> A lot of costumes. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you. Hi. Hello. In acting with with the first season that you were in with Matt and Karen and Arthur, did did they tell you who you were? Because I know you know we're all out here. We have no idea who you were until Demon Thrun. But did they did they tell you so that you knew to? to act a certain way? You mean that I was Rory and Amy's daughter? Yeah. Um, Stephen told me, I think he told me it was, at the, it was at the end of the season before. So he told me a good year, I think. Come nearly about a year before it was revealed. Um, and it was, I just thought, oh my god, that's so great. Um, but in fact, he didn't want, um, he told me, but I wasn't allowed to tell anybody. So it was my, it was a really big spoiler. Uh, and they all started to figure out that I had a secret. So there were a lot of bribes being didn't accept any of them, um, and it was great because it gave me such power. <laughs> One of the reasons why Stephen didn't want them to know is he didn't want them to change their performances. So, um, and when I, when we were filming in Utah at Lake, the Lake Silencio, and um, we see the, uh, the astronaut come out of the water and kill the doctor. And we, we're all sitting there having a picnic, drinking our wine, innocently having this picnic and everything. I knew that that was me. <laughs> <laughs> but I had to act like, The repeat for however many episodes it was later, when it suddenly it was revealed that it was me who was killing him, um, we were supposed to shoot that sequence on, on in Utah at the lake. Uh, but unfortunately, um, uh, where our location had got out, and somebody had snuck, I think it actually was one of the crew, had had start had filmed a little bit of footage. 
then they shouldn't have illegally, and they posted it. Uh, and so the production, quite rightly, were furious, and they then felt that it was too much of a risk to shoot this little segment with me actually in the in the suit, um, uh, killing the doctor or trying to stop killing the doctor. So um, we actually couldn't do that bit. We had to film it when we were back in Cardiff against a green screen um, to really keep that storyline as as safe and secret as possible. But yeah, no, they they didn't know. I had no idea at all. It was great. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. I'll, I'll be very I'll just do yes, no, yes, no. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for sharing tea during the photo shoot yesterday. <laughs> um, you shared some of the difference between filming BBC and uh, ER. Is that mainly funding or is there differences between British filming and American TV filming? I think the greatest difference between British filming and American filming is the craft service. <laughs> in America, oh my god, when I first started working on ER, and there was this like buffet all day long of food, and I just thought that was our food, that was our sort of breakfast, lunch, and supper, because we would work 16 hour days. Um, but that wasn't, that was just snacks. And then you had lunch and dinner and breakfast on top of that, and I couldn't believe. And it still goes on, I don't believe the amount of food that we get here. Whereas in England, you're lucky if you get like a curled up sandwich or a dry biscuit with your tea. I mean, it's, it's really pathetic. Um, but that's the main difference. But of course it is, it's budget. Uh, we just, in England, they just don't have the, the, um, the same sort of budgets that they do in the States. But in terms of actual crew and everybody, everybody works equally hard wherever. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. So my question was, in the first episode that you appeared in, you whispered in the doctor's ear so that way he would know to trust you. Did you actually whisper something to him, or was you just acting? I most certainly did. <laughs> I whispered his name. <laughs> um, we, when you film a scene, uh, or a moment, um, and you're watching it on the on the TV. You know, you'll see there'll be a you'll see a close up, and then then it might cut to what's called a mid shot. So it's sort of to up up to about here, and then you, it might cut to another angle where you, where you see the characters sort of in you know full so full length. So um, you ha we have to shoot the same scene over and over again. Uh, not only so that we're getting we're getting the scene right in terms of the feel, but also so that you have all these different camera angles, which make the final edit look much more interesting. So I had plenty of opportunity to whisper lots of things in David's ear, and I certainly told him his name, which is why in the final edit he looks so shocked. <laughs> but I will, so I won't tell you what his real name is. No, come on, spoilers. <laughs> but I will tell you one of the names that I did whisper in his ear. Shaniqua. <laughs> So um, that's what I, that's kind of, that's one of my favourites actually. Shaniqua who? It's good with David, it's soon, doesn't it? So. Thank you. Thank you. Alright, let's sneak one more in. How does it feel working with Matt Smith? 
How does it feel working with Matt Smith? It feels a bit soft and squidgy. <laughs> Not terribly muscular. <laughs> a bit thin, a bit ropey, soft and squidgy. <laughs> but he is lovely. <laughs> Does that answer your question? Or not really? <laughs> Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed listening to it and being there in the room for it. Uh, Alex Kingston definitely enjoyed having uh, a crowd to work with and uh, enjoyed herself immensely on her panel. So I'm glad you got to hear that here. Um, Paul and I will be back with our next episode where we'll, we'll be getting back to our Dalek episode reviews, and we will be moving our way into the New Who series with the Ninth Doctor story, Dalek. So that is coming up next, so look forward for that. Um, I'm super excited to get back into that, uh, get back into some regular recording with Paul on this show. Um, if you want to get in touch with us anyways, you know, uh, let us know how, what you think about the show. Just interact with us on our social media. We're posting a lot of stuff over on our Facebook page, so be sure to check that out. Uh, it's facebook.com slash talkingtimelords. Our Twitter handle is at talkingtimelord, or you can email us at talkingtimelords.com. All of the links for our social media, as well as every link to our previously released episodes, is also available on our website, talkingtimelords.com. Dot com. That's our TARDIS on the internet. And if you are listening to our podcast via iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, or any other sort of podcatcher, please uh, take a minute of your time if you have the chance to leave us a rating and review. We do greatly appreciate that. All right. Um, I think that'll wrap up this episode. As I said, Paul and I will be back with our review of Dalek featuring... Uh, Christopher Eccleston and Billy Piper as the Ninth Doctor and Rose Tyler uh, next, so that will be a lot of fun. And uh, I think that's about it. So thank you everybody so much for listening to this episode of Talking Time Lords. This has been episode number 41. Hello, sweetie. The Alex Kingston panel.
Uh, for Paul, who's not here, I'm Jason, and we will see. And remember, until next time, may you hope far-flung hopes and dream impossible dreams. Thanks, guys. Talking Time Lords is a proud member of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Visit thunderquack.com to see their entire catalog of podcasts, or visit patreon.com slash thunderquack to help support the shows. show before.